Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you for joining us again on this Wednesday evening for our Light for Living Bible study. For the last several weeks, we've been taking a journey through the book of Colossians. And so tonight, we're going to continue that. Last Wednesday night, I spoke to you about the importance of prayer and, and how that prayer should be a part of our daily lives. Tonight, I want to continue with the subject of prayer, but I want uh, to be a little bit more specific in how we're dealing with the subject of prayer. I think we would all agree with the motto that says prayer changes things. Of course, we understand that uh, all of our lives have either been directly or indirectly affected positively by the power of prayer. It has become, that saying has become a very commonplace in the world of Christendom. But tonight, I want to talk to you about something a little bit more specific. Not just that prayer changes things, but I want to talk to you about the fact that your prayer changes things. We have got to be confident in the fact that it's not just prayer in general that can affect the world around us, but we have to be confident in the fact that our prayer can change not only us, but it can change others in our lives. When we see and hear about the things that are being played out in our world, even as we speak, it's very easy sometimes to feel helpless and wonder what we can do to change this or what could we do to help this. Sometimes we wonder how could we better the situation, whether it would be a local situation or certainly in what we're facing today in a global, in a global fashion. But I believe that we're not helpless. I believe that we are empowered by the Spirit of God, filled with His holy anointing, and that both young and old, if we could understand the power of prayer, specifically the power of our prayer, we can make a positive difference in the world around us. I believe there's a way that we can be, become involved, and I believe there is a way that we can make a difference. When I speak uh, of being able to make a difference, I'm not talking about something that would require us to make a trip to Tallahassee to the Capitol. I'm not even talking about something that would require us to go to Washington, D.C., but I am talking about something that would require us to go to a prayer room and ask God to hear our cry and honor our faith in Him. I'm talking about prayer. Specifically, I'm talking about your prayer. I believe that we can pray for people around us and impact the world in which we live. The scripture talks about the power of prayer and how that prayer can change lives both close to us and prayer can change lives around the globe. I, I remember hearing a story many years ago. We had uh, a, a pastor preaching for us. His name was Brother Jimmy Don Holland. While Brother Holland was here, he shared with us uh, he shared with me one day a story about his father. His father was a man of prayer, a man of, of very dedicated to fasting and consecrating himself to prayer. 
And uh, one day he was at his church and he felt the presence of the Lord speak to him to go to the bus station. Of course, this has been decades ago and travel then was not what it is today. And, and uh, Brother Holland's father went to the bus station, not really understanding the magnitude of why he was there, but he just knew that God had prompted him to go. He sat in the bus station, not really sure uh, what the end result was going to be. And as the bus pulled in and those that had already purchased tickets began to load the bus, in just a moment he found that he was the only one sitting in the waiting room. And a man stepped in and he said he was looking for Reverend Holland. And uh, Brother Holland introduced himself and he gave him a ticket. And Brother Holland got on that bus and began to ride. He rode for many, many hours, leaving central Louisiana, making their way to Dallas. And beyond Dallas, west of Dallas, uh, way between the, the, the city of Dallas itself and the next stop. And in the middle of nowhere, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Brother Holland and told him to get off of the bus. In those days, you could pull a little chain or a rope that would indicate to the driver that you were ready to get off. When he pulled the chain the light flashed in the driver's station and the bus driver pulled to the side. When Brother Holland uh, come to the front of the bus to get off, the bus driver did everything within his power to talk him out of getting off the bus. He said, sir, you don't really understand. We are so many miles from Dallas and we're so many miles of the next city. It's late at night. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing here. And he said, but this is where I need to get off of the bus. Brother Holland said, as the taillights of the bus began to go out of sight, he saw headlights of an automobile coming into view. And in just a few moments, that, hit, that car, that automobile had made its way to him. It stopped when it got to him. And the man opened the, the, the door of the car and the interior light came on. The man that was driving the car, his face was wet with tears, his eyes red hot from from crying and he asked him if he was a preacher and he said yes sir I am and he said our congregation has at home we've been praying and fasting and while we were at the church tonight praying and believing God for a miracle the Lord spoke to me and told me to get in my car and to drive out this highway and I would find the man that was supposed to preach the revival for us with that brother Holland went back to this man's church and preached a several-week revival where over a hundred people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the difference that your prayer can make. There is absolutely no limit to what God can do. So what is the story that we could take away from the, the uh, illustration that I've used here tonight? I believe it would be this, quite simply, that when God has people who will prevail in prayer... And these people know how to recognize and obey the Spirit of the Lord. There is absolutely no limit to what the power of God can do in our lives. Prayer can change lives. Prayer can change lives all over the world. Your prayer, my prayer. Your prayer can make a real difference. Prayer is not our last hope. I want to assure you of that, that prayer is the church's first line of defense. It's a daily necessity. And let us, I want to think about tonight how prayer could change my life and how it could change your life. And consider how prayer 
can enable us to change the lives of other people around us. Looking back at the passage of Scripture that I read last Wednesday night, in Colossians 4 and 2, Paul said this. He said, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with all thanksgiving. Your prayers changes. The, the main thing our prayers changes is our perspective. It changes how we view things. It changes, as a matter of fact, how we view God. And it brings us closer to God. Therefore, we should devote ourselves to God in prayer. I believe the very act of our coming to the point of devotion is a strong spiritual discipline. In verse number 2, Paul says that we should continue in prayer. In other words, we should make prayer a habit. I believe that there are two, at least two, ingredients that are vital to prayer. Paul mentions watchfulness or being alert or being spiritually sensitive. I would submit to you that in the story that I shared of Brother Holland, that he was being watchful in prayer, being sensitive to the leading and the wooing of the Spirit of God. Another aspect that the Apostle Paul speaks about in prayer is the spirit of thanksgiving, to give God thanks. In order to devote ourselves to prayer, I believe that we have to be intentional about making time to pray about carving out time in our lives to pray. I don't think that we're ever too young or too old to make time in our lives to pray. We have to make prayer a priority. And as we begin to devote ourselves to prayer, then I believe that we're going to be drawn closer and closer to the Lord. You see, the more time you spend with your friends, the more time that you spend with your family, the more you know them, the better you understand them. And so the more we pray, it only stands to reason that the more we would understand God and we would understand how he works and moves in our lives. The more we pray, the more we open our heart to what the Lord wants to do in our lives. So prayer, in short, brings us closer to God. Prayer also changes our perspective by making us aware of danger. I don't say this to sound off-putting, but I believe that we should never fail to understand that the Scripture calls Satan a roaring lion, or he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So I believe that in prayer we should be watchful, and we should watch for traps of the enemy, and we should watch for red flags. We should never ignore the Spirit's prompting in our life. We should be watchful and aware, mindful, if you please, of the schemes of the enemy. Watchful for what the enemy is trying to do to trip us up or to set us off. Prayer makes us aware of the danger and it makes us aware of pitfalls. It makes us aware of potholes that may be set in front of us. So we should be watchful. Prayer changes our perspective by reminding us of the blessings of God. Again, I would say that no matter where we are in our journey with God, if we're brand new in our journey or if we've been living for God many decades, I believe that all of us can think about the blessings of the Lord to be watchful and to be thankful. To be thankful in prayer. To think about the things that God has done in our life. Many times my wife and I will sit in our home and we'll begin to think about so many things that the Lord has done for us since we've been serving Him. 
how good the Lord has been to us. And even before we were married, we think about how many times that it was so evident that God had his hand upon us when we were in our teenage years and living for him and wanting to do something for him, dreaming and desiring to do a work for him, how that God was keeping his hand upon us. I'll tell you, it's impossible to think about those things and not have a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude that wells up in your heart. There's an old hymn that simply says this, Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Well, we understand that it would be virtually impossible to name all of our blessings or even to count them, but I, I believe there is a principle in that song that principle that teaches us the importance of just taking a journey from time to time and being reminded of how good God has been. I believe in order to be thankful in prayer, we have to just continually remind ourselves of all the wonderful things that God has done for us. Thankful for so many reasons that, uh, that God has moved in our lives. As a matter of fact, I think it's very easy to take for granted the blessings of God and take for granted how good God has been to us. One thing I'm afraid that we have all been guilty of taking for granted and that has been the opportunity to come to the house of God and worship Him. Who would have ever dreamed that in our lifetime we would see a time and a season, uh, a pandemic that would come along and it would prohibit us coming together and worshiping the Lord. Hopefully, we are about to see a little light at the end of this tunnel and that things would somehow normalize. And I pray that when they do, that we never again take for granted the opportunity to walk into a house of prayer, of praise, a, a house where we can freely worship the Lord. I don't want to ever take for granted the opportunity to be together with my brothers and my sisters and worship the Lord. Amen. I hope we never, ever take coming to church for granted again. Perhaps prayer changes our perspective by engaging us in praise and worship. When we begin to praise and worship the Lord, there is a spirit of thanksgiving that is generated in our heart. To be honest with you, I love to praise and worship the Lord I love our praise and worship, the praise and worship, worship segments of our church services. It really doesn't matter to me if we're singing a new praise song or if we're singing one of the older hymns because what really matters is the message that is in that song. Those messages that remind me of how wonderful God has been in my life and how powerfully He has moved time and time again. Prayer creates that spirit of thanksgiving. Prayer creates that attitude of, of gratitude, that spirit of saying, Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. I want to also consider tonight verse number 3 of chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, With all praying also for us, speaking of he and Timothy, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Now Paul was speaking of he and Timothy, but Paul was specific to say that during this specific or this particular time that he himself was in prison. But he said I want you to pray for 
I want you to pray for me, and I want you to pray for Timothy, that we would have a door of utterance or a door of opportunity that would open to us to share the gospel. So when we consider that the Apostle Paul was in prison and he was asking for them to pray that God would open a door, I think it's important that we understand he wasn't talking about the prison door. Pray that God will somehow get me out of this mess. Somehow pray that God will open the door of this prison and that I will be able to experience and enjoy my freedom again. No, he wasn't praying for the doors of the prison to be open. He was praying for doors of opportunity to be open. If I am here, then I want to do everything within my power to be a witness to the Lord even though it's not the best of circumstances, and even though this is not where I dreamed of being, but if God has me here, he must have me here for a purpose. And so I want to do everything within my power to reach those that I can. Many years ago, when uh, my wife and I came here to the church, and, uh, which has been a little over 31 years ago, uh, there was a, a widow lady in our church at the time. Her name, Sister Wanda Drake. Sister Drake was just a wonderful lady. She loved the Lord. And oh, what a witness she was for the kingdom of God. She loved to teach Bible studies. She loved to talk about the word of God. And she would share it at any given opportunity. I had met her husband prior to his death, but I never really got to know him. I'd, I'd only met him just a couple of times. But uh, some years ago... Someone told me something very interesting about Sister Drake's late husband. After cancer had, had come on him and, and, uh, and prohibited him from being able to get around, he himself was also just a man devoted to teaching home Bible studies and witnessing wherever they went. And so when, when a, a terminal disease and illness came upon him and he was no longer able to function as he normally did, they told me that he would have Sister Drake drive him various places and they would just park the car and he would roll down his window and as people passed by, he would give them tracts and invite them to church and talk to them about what God could do in their lives. The prison of his failed health did not prohibit him from being a witness. When I thought about the Apostle Paul and him saying, pray for me, that a door of utterance would be open. My mind went back to this illustration of Brother Drake. Here he was, a terminal disease, understanding full well that if God didn't perform a miracle, he was going to die of this disease, in which, in fact, he did. But he said, but you know what? Until that time comes, I want you to pray for me that an opportunity of utterance will come. And if it will, I'm going to share the word of God. He was a man of prayer. And because he was a man of prayer, prayer changed his perspective. How easy it would have been for him to sit home feel sorry for himself, how easy it would have been for him to say, Lord, you know, as faithful as I have been to you, and now I find myself dying of a dreaded disease. Why? Why is it me? And why me? And that wasn't his attitude because prayer changed his perspective. And prayer said, Lord, if you'll just open a door of opportunity, I'll step through that door. I pray, oh Lord, help us today to understand the power that our prayers can be and the difference that our prayers can make. 
In verse number 3, Paul specifically requested that the Colossian church, the saints of that church, pray concerning him. His prayer request was twofold. He wanted, the Lord, he wanted the Lord to impress upon their heart and for that church to pray that God would open an opportunity for him to proclaim the gospel. He desired above all else, he uses this terminology, to speak the mystery of Christ. To those who don't know you, Lord, give me an opportunity while I am here in prison. I would never meet these people otherwise. So while I'm here, I want you to help me to understand the difference that my prayers can make. We must also remember that the reason for uh, his imprisonment was because he was preaching. The reason he was incarcerated was because he was preaching this gospel. But yet he said, Lord, if you'll give me a chance while I'm here, I'll tell somebody about your goodness behind these prison walls. Prayer can change our opportunities by, by opening doors that were once closed to be able to share the gospel with somebody else. Paul told them to pray, not just that a door of utterance would be open, but Paul took this to another level. He said, I want you to pray for me that I can proclaim the gospel more clearly. I want to be able to share it in a way that people can understand. Now, there is a passage of Scripture that challenges me as a preacher. And I often include this in my prayer. It's found in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 8. And so Nehemiah records this. He says, Though they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And so I pray often, Lord, I don't want to just stand behind a desk and say something. I don't want to just take up an allotted amount of time. But Lord help me to read this word. And share this word. And help it to make sense to someone. That when people leave church they know what happened. They know what was said. That the word of God was shared in a way. That the light of revelation comes on in their heart and their life. I believe the word of God deserves to be taught in such a manner. We need those that are hearing it to be able to make sense of what's being said. You see, there's a lot of pat, what there's a lot of preaching today, or a lot of things that pass for preaching that's anything but clear. And so, when I stand behind this sacred desk, I'm not standing here to impress anyone. My goal is to reach someone. I, I want to be able to say it as best I can. But really and truly, I'm reaching for the, for the eternal part of humanity. We need to be mentally sharp, making sure that the message is clear. That when everything is said and done, people can walk home with a seed of truth in their heart. When we're teaching God's word, we shouldn't try to impress people with our knowledge. We just need to share the simple truth of God's love for their eternal soul. Prayer can help us make make. Prayer can make us think more clearly, and prayer can help us to stay on track. I believe prayer can make what we're doing more effective because we can't do something within our flesh and change the eternal outcome of a person's soul. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Paul writes this, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Then he says, Let your speech be always with grace, 
seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. I believe that prayer can change the effectiveness in which we share the Word of God. I don't ever want to come to this pulpit or any other pulpit without first having known I have talked to God in prayer because I have always believed that before you can talk to man about God, you must first talk to God about man. We have got to first get in touch with the Lord because that is what's going to help us to be more effective. It gives us wisdom in our dealing with unbelievers. Paul requested that the Colossian church pray that he would be able to proclaim the gospel message that he would do it properly. Or in other words, that he would make the mystery of the gospel seem clear or seem plain. Even though he was a veteran missionary, he didn't have confidence in his own human ability. He had to understand the power of depending upon the grace of God. And I will tell you today that there's never a time that we don't need the grace of God to stand with us when we're teaching and speaking about these eternal truths. And so I want Paul, like Paul, to say, Lord, help someone to pray for me that this ministry would be effective. I think it's significant that Paul's personal request centered around the preaching of the gospel and it centered around the furtherance of the gospel. How easy it would have been for him to be praying about his own problems and saying, woe is me, and here I am. All I was trying to do was a good thing, and now I find myself in prison. But that wasn't what he was talking about. He just said, I want you to pray for me that whatever I'm doing and whatever I'm saying will be more effective. Amen. In the last portion of this, uh, it was then in that last verse of his letter the, that he asked the church to even pray about his personal circumstances or his imprisonment. In verse number 5, they were, they were uh, admonished to believe and admonished to trust in the Lord. In other words, he admonished them to conduct themselves wisely. He admonished them to be careful how you deal with somebody else. And so could I just try to help drive home that very point here tonight. If we are to redeem the time, that's what Paul was speaking about, or to make the most of every opportunity, he was saying if you're going to do this, then we've got to be aware of the time. I'm always amazed by people who never know what time it is. We need to know what time it is. We need to know where we are in the full scheme of things. In short, we should use our time wisely, and we should, we should use it for the cause of God. This principle, I believe, applies to all of our activities, and certainly it, it applies to all of our time. But in this context, Paul is specifically talking about redeeming the time or these opportunities to pray and to be a witness and to share with others the power of the gospel. Verse number 6, Paul says we ought to speak of these things in a, in a spirit or in a manner of grace. He said let your conversation always be full of grace. The amplified version of the scripture says let your speech at all times be gracious or let it be pleasant. Let it be kind. The principle, I believe, applies to a personal conversations as well as preaching. I believe that we ought to always present the gospel with kindness. The scripture says that we ought to preach the truth, but we ought to preach the truth in love. 
In light of verse 5, this admonition is particularly relevant to our dealing with unbelievers. That we, Paul said, we should season our speech with salt. I believe that is an illustration that all of us can relate to. It's, it's a metaphor, uh, but it can have more than one meaning. First, just as, as salt enhances the flavor of the food and makes it a little more appetizing, I believe that how we present the truth of God's Word, how we witness to our friends, how we speak and deal with unbelievers, it ought to be, a, it ought to be pleasant and it ought to be appealing. Secondly, salt doesn't just flavor food, but, but salt serves as a preservative for food. And I believe that our speech should be free from corruption because bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. And so we can't be talking about just any old thing and then think we're going to be an effective witness for the kingdom of God. We should also understand the proper way to answer a person. I believe an appropriate answer can defuse a situation. It can dispel tension in a moment of time. Or it can even change uh, the outcome of a dangerous situation. The wise man Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 15 and 1. He said, a soft answer turneth away wrath. I believe that good answers are very important in our witness to unsaved people. I believe that is the primary thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about. If we look into the writings of, of Simon Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, here's what Simon Peter says. He said, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When someone asks you about why you live the way you live, why you do what you do, Paul said, and Simon Peter is saying, that we ought to always be able to give somebody an answer for the hope that resides in us. And that we ought to do that with meekness. And we ought to do that with fear or with reverence. Amen. These are practical exhortations. The teaching portion of the, of the epistle now comes to a close. He's talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to men and talking about men and women that don't know the Lord or that don't believe in Him. And so we need wisdom in order to deal with every individual as an individual. You can't just say, well, this is what you say. This is how you do because everybody is different. And I believe that we need the wisdom of God to touch our lives and help us to know what to say and when to say it to certain individuals. Amen. You see, God doesn't just save people in mass. God saves everybody else like he saved us one at a time. And so as we deal with individuals whom you're trying to share the word of God with and witness to, then we need to ask God for wisdom. How do I deal with this person? Or how do I speak toward and to this situation? We need wisdom. We need the power of God. And that power of God that I'm talking about is only going to come to us through prayer. We need God's Spirit to touch us because people are watching us. No matter where we are in life, no matter what our station in life may be, there are people that are watching us. They're watching our teenagers. They're watching our young adults. They're watching our middle-aged. They're watching our aged. They're watching us. 
And they are desiring and wanting an answer. And so we've got to be wise in what we say to them. And we need to be wise in how we live around them. Prayer can change our effectiveness, not only by giving us wisdom, but I believe now we also have to pray for God to give us boldness to seize those opportunities. If we're going to pray and ask God to give us a door of opportunity, then we're also going to have to pray and say, God, now give me the boldness when that door opens up, that I'll step through that door and give me the courage and the confidence to know that you will anoint my mind and that you'll put words in my mouth. God, help us to make and seize every opportunity and make the most of those moments. Actually, the phrase translated, make the most, that Paul is talking about, he's talking about buying it up or redeeming that time. Seize every opportunity. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to pray, and I am going to have to pray for God to give us the spirit of boldness. I want to, I want to bring this, uh, this message tonight to a close, but I, I want to just admonish us with a few things as we depart here this evening. I believe, I believe that prayer, it's prayer that makes us effective by enabling us to be able to graciously communicate the saving message of the gospel. Prayer can help us to be sensitive to when to speak and what to say. Prayer can help us be sensitive to the environment that we're in and those that we're dealing with. Everything we have in this life, everything that we have in this life, we're going to leave behind us except people. We're going to leave all of our material resources behind us one day. We're going to leave it all here. Every deed that bears your name, it's all going to be left to someone else. Everything that we call ours, all the things that we think are our personal possessions, we're going to leave all of that here one day. And the only thing that we're going to be able to take with us are the people whose lives we have touched. Because people, it is the soul of men that will live forever. Prayer can change our life and it can change the lives of others. And so I would say that we need to pray and keep on praying. And we need to believe and trust God for opportunities to come our way to be able to share the gospel news with someone else. Well, you say, well, I'm not sure exactly how to rightly divide in the Scripture, and I'm not exactly sure how to do all of that. Well, Paul said to Timothy, he said, you need to study to show yourself approved. But I want to add to that tonight, not to the Word of God, but just add a thought to that, that what you ought to begin sharing is what God has done in your life because there's nothing more powerful than your own personal testimony of what God has done in your life. Someone may try to argue the Word of God with you, but they can't argue the experience of God with you. What God has done in your life, no one can take that away. And so I say pray and keep on praying. And God will do the miraculous. I don't believe that Brother Holland is the last man that God has ever spoken to or that God desires to speak to. I believe that God is still speaking and I am confident that men and women are still listening. And so I say, Lord, help us to understand the difference that my prayer can make. And so when I kneel in prayer, 
I'm not going to consider myself just talking to the air. I'm not going to consider myself just speaking into the, into the material of the altar that I'm praying. But I'm going to understand that I am doing something that has an eternal consequence, that has an eternal value placed upon it, the power of prayer. The difference that your prayer can make. And so I trust this evening that as we bring this to an end, that someone on the receiving end of this message will have courage and confidence to understand that I can pray a prayer and make a difference. I'm going to tell you tonight that I join a host of people that could stand and say that I am where I am tonight because someone prayed for me. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm thankful somebody prayed a prayer for me and then kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And so now let's not just be the recipients of those prayers, but let's be those that pray those prayers. I believe that our prayers can make a difference. If there was ever a time that our nation needed us, the church, it is the hour in which we live. If there was ever a time that our world needed us, the church. It is the hour in which we live. And I want to remind you that the church is not a foreign entity, but the church is made up of the men and women who are hearing this message tonight. Young and old alike, we are the church. And we have the power to let the Spirit of God touch our voices and our voices and our faith, our prayer can make a difference, an eternal difference I'm asking you today to get a hold of this word, get a hold of it with confidence and understand that what you do in your home by way of prayer, what you, wherever your prayer room may be, what you do in your prayer room, what you do in your prayer time is going to make a difference in the life of someone somewhere. Be encouraged tonight because your prayers are going to make an eternal difference. Amen. May the Spirit of God touch you, and may the Word of God reside in your heart. And may the words of this message, not because I taught it, not because I'm the speaker, but because it is God's eternal Word that was written by inspiration of mankind, let it echo in our heart and in our minds again and again and again. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray god's richest blessings on you and your family